0: We're throwing off the filters of tradition and culture to discover what the Bible really says about our relationships, relationships with God, with ourselves, and with others. Welcome to this episode of Relationship Truth Unfiltered. Welcome. I'm Julie Sedanko here with Katerina, a survivor of substance abuse, major trauma, and an incredibly destructive marriage. Katerina grew up Catholic with an alcoholic father, got involved in promiscuity as a very young person, ended up uh, marrying somebody with just as big a problems as she had, and it didn't turn out so well, did it, Katerina?
1: No, it didn't.
0: Now, you were Catholic, but you weren't, you didn't really have a relationship with the Lord. Is that fair to say?
1: Fair, very fair.
0: <laughs> and your husband?
1: Uh, when we got married, we were both in a non-denominational church. And then we went to a different church that was very legalistic and very male-dominated.
0: You said and it that, was almost cult-like.
1: Yeah, it was pretty, pretty scary. I still think it's a little scary. You can't tell a man who's self-centered and kind of angry that he's the head of his house because that's a recipe for disaster. <laughs> So I found out we're told as women that the man has the final say. And I think that when you have issues like my husband had or my ex-husband, he becomes a tyrant. You must submit all that kind of stuff. And it, it was it was brutal.
0: Which when you look at the example of Jesus and his his idea of being a head is servanthood, Not dictatorship, not lording it over, not telling you what to do, not forcing submission. And these teachings are dangerous to women and to men. Yes.
1: Yes, I agree.
0: Because I think it really harms the men spiritually into not looking at themselves and recognizing their sin, which is enormous. So let's get into a little bit of the problems that really began to make your marriage destructive. Kind of describe what was going on. He wasn't
1: as bad until he started drinking. He started drinking 15 years in and with... Okay,
0: that's interesting to me because I thought he was drinking when you guys first got married.
1: No, we were married 30 years and the first 15 years we did not drink. I mean, we just were... We had pretty solid conviction about that and I think what happened was my brother-in-law died we had a double wedding my sister and I and her husband and my we had a double wedding and it was, okay. it was amazing and he died young and I think my ex was very angry at God and he decided to have a glass of red wine at dinner and one turned to two two turned to three now it's hiding in the closet it's in his truck it's, he's just lying and hiding. And it became a real problem. But we didn't drink for the first first 15 years. And I always say if he was a nice drunk, I would have stayed. (laughs) Uh, But he just badgered me. I I couldn't, I couldn't make a move. I would come home from youth group with my daughter. My youngest daughter was still at home at that point. Um, I would go to youth group. And if I came home at 10 o'clock, he'd be furious. And I'm at church. And then uh, I couldn't wear high heels because I was taller than him. I shouldn't say I couldn't. Leslie says, "What do you mean you couldn't? You were you're an adult (laughs) woman." But I would I would just back down and say, "No, I don't want to wear heels." Where I would have liked to have worn heels, especially at my daughter's wedding. Yeah. (laughs) So no, he didn't
0: want you to wear heels, and it would have become a major
1: issue. It would have become an issue. He had road road rage. And I really wasn't safe enough to say, I'll drive on my own with the children. He would have flipped out.
0: What would, so what would, would flipped out start, look like in your marriage? He would just start screaming,
1: yelling. "You! How dare you? You're not getting the car. I'll take the keys, all that. Okay. Uh, at one point, we were having an argument. And, you know, your counsel, don't argue late at night. You can't think straight. So I said, I'm really tired. I have to go to bed. No, you're going to finish this. I said no, I'm going to go sleep in the guest room then. I'm going to put earplugs on. And he said I'll rip the earplugs out of your ears. And that scared the heck I thought this is this is really bad. That was one of the really red flags.
0: That was one of a number of red flags that you had that just kind of kept trying to show you the truth. What were some of the other red flags? that you used to, to get real with what was happening in your marriage? Um, He would
1: corner me in, in our walk-in closet. If we were having an argument, he would corner me and I couldn't leave until I repented. He would, he would bring up whatever I did wrong. And it was always my fault for some reason. It was part of the abuse cycle where he, you would feel it escalate. And all of a sudden I'm in big trouble for something And it usually was kind of ridiculous.
0: Give me an example.
1: Um, Well, this was a big one, but I I don't think that was a really big one. But oh, I got to say, okay, so we had we had a woman in our business that was a thief and I would I caught her because I had to fill in and he would not get rid of her. And I know it wasn't adultery he was just emotionally attached because she would just do whatever he said. She wouldn't get rid of him. So I went into the office and I wanted to make the business transparent. So I would say, we need to do inventory. And he'd flip out. He did not want to do inventory.
0: Why? Because I think- Oh, he because was, he knew that she had stolen pocket,
1: half the- I think he was pocketing money too. And I don't oh, think brother, he cared okay. if she stole. So he would force me to say, this is my business. I'm the president. Like a lunatic. How dare you? You're good with the computer. You stick with the computer. Like that kind of stuff. And like to- I was cowering. Now, I'm not a-, a weak woman. No, you're not. But I was scared of him. And I didn't even realize it. I would just thought he was the husband. And over and over, just suck it up and back down.
0: And you, did you did. really, in, in your heart of hearts, did you really believe that what he was doing was okay?
1: I think after many years, I I started to realize it was bad. But I'm telling you, in the beginning, it's like a fog. When they teach you, the woman has to submit and you go to counseling and they say, well, what did you do to provoke him and all that? you know how they do that. And, that
0: and that's the kind of counseling that you would get read
1: this book. And then there's oh, actually man. quotes in one of the ladies she wrote in her book, everything you do must be in light of how will this bless my husband. So if I want to make jewelry at night, because I'm an artist, that doesn't really bless him. So I wouldn't do it. I mean, in my, in all fairness, it's our fault because we followed them like they were God, the men who wrote these books and the wives who, you know, co whatever that is. So it's really my fault. I wasn't following Jesus. I wanted just to be told how to live as a Christian, how to raise my kids, you know, homeschooling and you don't date you court. Well, we made my daughter's court, but my son was out all the hours of the night. So he had a double standard for my son, which made me furious. But I, you know, I would say stuff, but he would, you know, yell and scream at me. How dare you? So,
0: so you just had a very rules-based religious experience and you were around people that didn't really seem to care about your experience. I guess this is a big clue And I say this for anybody who's listening, and I certainly don't mean to beat up on you as though, well, didn't you know? Because you really didn't. I mean, you really do buy into this and believe it's okay. But for our listeners, if you are being physically threatened, even if he doesn't touch you, but if you're being put in a corner, if he's towering over you while he's yelling at you, if you feel afraid... Those are huge red flags. That is not okay. And I'm sorry that you had to experience that and that you had to experience it for so many years before you learned the truth.
1: Well, I feel like that lady that ran into Leslie and says, I'm glad I had an abusive husband because I learned blah, blah, tooth. I'm a different person. It took a lot of years, but. God Tell me about woman. that. Like,
0: how did you find Leslie? How many years had you been married and dealing with this?
1: Okay, so I was married 30 years. So 15 of those years was horrendous. Were horrendous, and so I eventually I went to counseling, um, addiction counseling. I got it for free through like uh, something that they were trying to promote. Were and you I struggling with
0: addiction as well?
1: No, no, I never drank. I. It was- I Trying continue. to deal with his addiction. Yeah, I okay. would drink a glass of wine every three months or something. But So I knew I was dealing with addiction. So I went to addiction counseling and I learned co- codependency enabling denial. And that opened my eyes to go, oh my goodness, I'm in total denial. This man is an alcohol. He was on Xanax too. So he was an addict. He wasn't just an alcoholic. You mix Xanax and alcohol and you're a lunatic.
0: Wow. He would
1: drink cough medicine if he had a cold, like not put put it in a spoon. So he was messed up. So I went to that counseling and then I went to another secular counseling that was specialized in abuse. And she was amazing. And I'm like, Am I being is this abuse? And she said, I wouldn't have taken you as a client if it wasn't if you weren't in an abusive marriage. And then I went to a Christian counselor who was very cautious. The only thing, the only strong word she would say was, you're in a very unhealthy relationship. And I think as Christians, we're afraid to say, yep. you need to run for the hills because you're in danger. Exactly. And so she didn't help. I spent $5,000 in a year on her. And she was actually the one that referred me to Leslie. She told me about his book.
0: Wow. Her you're book, kidding. And no, Maybe she no. wanted Leslie to tell you the probably, truth. <laughs> probably. Well, and, and for any people helpers that are listening, it's okay to tell people that they should leave or that they can leave. Yes. And it's okay been- to recognize an unsafe situation and give these women permission to leave because God cares more about the safety and sanity of people than the institution of marriage. We've said it before, and we'll keep saying it again. Uh, not that you know, not that we're pro divorce, but we're certainly not pro abuse. Mm-hmm.
1: And and I need to say this. And I was one of the people. Really, I was the Christian that was legalistic. But the Christians were the worst. When I left, I had mm. people turn on me, tell me I was going to hell. I was scared to death to make this, this decision. I prayed and cried and fasted for years, really, when I knew it was bad. Prayed on the phone with a woman for a for years, every single day, and she walked with me, and she would say, this is really bad. Like I tried to love. I tried to overlook offense. I tried not to be enabling, but he got worse. So when I I left. It was a decision I was on my face about because I love God and the Christians were brutal. So God help us as Christians. God
0: help us. Yes. Do
1: not look like Jesus. And I didn't know Jesus like I do now. And I would never trade this horrendous season or years for anything in the world because Jesus stuck closer than a brother. He was my best friend, my husband, my lover. And I, I can't say enough. I'm not the same person because of him. And because the word of God was my strength and my anchor. And I'm not a legalistic person anymore. And I repented from all that because I would be the one you can't get divorced. You know, God hates divorce, not knowing the scriptures. He hates a man treating a woman treacherously. Nobody reads that part.
0: Which was really the, the title yes. of your marriage, wasn't exactly. it? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, I, I go back to what you were saying about that teacher from your old church that was oh. telling you don't do anything that's not for the benefit of your husband. Well, let's think about that. Was it really benefiting your husband for you to cower, for you to enable his substance abuse, his... You know, authoritarianism was that in his best interest? It was not, not.
1: but he was very unteachable. No matter what I brought to him, it was a fight. He would not, even his brothers, if they said something, he was untouchable. And I believe it was his upbringing. I think his father taught him that the rules don't apply to him because he Mm. was the favorite and got away with some stuff against his mother's wishes they kind of lied and i think that was ingrained deeply in him he's been through rehab seven times since i left and is still katarina like, are you serious alcohol. yes and my children were alienated from me bad he told them i was having an affair god help us Oh, she wouldn't have left me because I'm such a prize unless you... I'm (laughs) sorry to laugh, but I'm having an affair. I was at youth group. She stole all my money. So it's not ours, it's mine. And I was strung out on drugs. He told my children that when I left. My children turned on me, the whole family. And I put on the Hallmark picture. Part of that is my fault. Like Leslie (laughs) tells you, be honest. Say, dad and I are struggling. I just put on, I I wouldn't allow him to make me miserable. So I was happy overall. I mean, I was dying inside, but I put on the everything's fine show. So nobody really knew. And I get it why they were like, what the heck's wrong with her? And
0: then they're kind of blindsided. Dad's
1: so nice and poor dad. So yeah, they were blindsided. So I take responsibility for that. But I also think that... I mean, he lied blatantly and my kids were confused, but my relationship has been restored because I, I refused to defend myself as hard as it was. And I'm sure I did sometimes God was my defender and the truth always prevails. And now they see what he is and they, they feel my one daughter said, we feel terrible for the way we treated you. Because they see what I, now they're stuck with them.
0: <laughs> oh, because,
1: really? Yeah, because I, I don't have to cover for him. I don't have to make him happy. He's miserable and they know it. So
0: they eventually do see the truth, don't yes. they? Yes.
1: And I would encourage people to just, the parental alienation is the worst. You might as well just put a knife in my heart and twist it. That's mm-hmm. what happened. But God is faithful period and I'm telling you it my children are my son calls me from jail they don't even know this part and I'm his counselor I'm the one that prays the word of God with him I'm the one that encourages him I'm like his cheerleader and I never had his ear because he was a rebel he was he was wild partying he never listened to me
0: and well and this I'll- was just to just to explain a little bit um, at what point, Did this incident happen with your son, and do you want to share that story?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, my son (laughs) became an addict in college, and my ex kind of was in kind of the know with him because they were both addicts, and they were kind of against me. The only do you feel
0: like, and it kind of is a dumb question, maybe, but your husband's example of addiction? My son
1: wanted to was chomping at the bit to go party. Okay. And my ex was very um like I said double standard. He did whatever he wanted. And so he became um a, a drug addict in college and my ex was drinking and then he would pay for my son's accidents, fix his car, like talk about enabling and I'd be furious and then he'd fight fight me. And so one day I'm in Florida with my ex and he, he had, ju- I was still married, but he had just had a big fight with me. Cause I found, I found an empty bottle of wine in his truck, in our business truck. And I'm like, are you still drinking? And he said, are you going to ruin our vacation? So now it's my fault. That's your I fault. I just yeah. asked a question. So we're in Florida. I get a call in the middle of the night and somebody, his bo- my son's boss said, there's been a tragic accident two people are dead. We think it's your son. We can't get a hold of him. He said, I'll call you back. Well, I'm crying my eyes. I gone. Lord, please don't let it be true. I didn't even wake my ex up because he would have been no, he wouldn't help me. So I called my best friend who I prayed with for years. And I said, please pray because there's an accident The boss calls back. He said, it's your son. So now my son killed two people in a drunk driving accident and I wake up my ex in the morning and I'm at my sister's house and he's like, we're not defending him. (laughs) After all this, you're not going to defend him. Anyway. And these were,
0: he killed two teenagers. Is that right? And they, you told me before that they were the only children in this family.
1: Family. And my heart was broken for them more than myself. There's no words for this kind of loss. I, I have four kids and it was horrendous. But I woke up and I said, God chose us to walk through this. I don't know why. I knew God enough where I said, I wouldn't have chosen this, but for some reason, he, he wants us to walk through this as a family. And with his help, we're going to walk through it with integrity. And that was my, from the very beginning, heartbroken, upset, all that. But I knew God was in control. So months later, he gets out of his truck midday and I smell alcohol. And I said, are you still drinking?
0: Is this your son?
1: My ex. No, oh, my son ex? was okay. in jail immediately. A okay. couple months later, he's drinking in the truck midday. I said, there's two people dead." I said, I want to walk through this horrendous trial with you, but I will not do it with alcohol. If you want to drink, you're going to drink alone. And he said, I'll do whatever it takes. And I said, I've heard that before. And then he slammed the door. Now I'm in trouble because he's mad. So that is the line in the sand that gave me the courage to say, I'm not doing this. Mm -hmm. And that I went to see a lawyer. I had to move money. I was scared to death, but I did it scared.
0: Because he he was not your ex at this time. No,
1: no, we were still married. This was right after the accident. And Mm. I'm like, we, you know, you can't even, uh, if that doesn't shake you, then you're messed up.
0: Yeah. Like you're really
1: bound, and he wouldn't get help. So I, I had to move money. I, believe me, every woman that hears this, it is not easy. I controlled the money. I knew where the money, I was all, all the finances were in my hands. I knew how to move money. I knew how to do all this, but I was so scared that he would catch me because it was all his money. Obviously, that's what he thought. But I was scared before God. I was scared before my, my family that I was doing the right thing. It's very scary when you're a Christian because you don't think you're allowed and God doesn't want you abused. Amen. He just doesn't. And I didn't believe, I really didn't believe that in my heart because of all the teaching you yes. hear. Yes. So anyway, I did it scared and he turned my kids against me. It was the hardest thing I ever did. But again, I know Jesus because of this. I wasn't the girl I am today because I didn't have hardships. I think hardship makes you humble. I'm sorry if you let it. I think that God just humbled me or I humbled myself under him because of all this trial and I wouldn't trade it for the world.
0: At what point in your marriage did you find Leslie and her teaching?
1: I found her, I think it was right a little bit before the accident. I can't remember how long, I've been in Conquer a lot of years. 2016 the accident oh, wow. was 2015 so when i was at the christian counselors and she referred me i read the book and i i went through the list are you in a destructive relationship and i went oh, i have like all but three and I <laughs> that's was so called the clue scared. i was so scared i'm like really? this is serious like were you oh, surprised nobody talks about it yes i did i didn't think it was abuse I just didn't know. Nobody talks and about And I don't it. know
0: why I'm surprised. I, because I know that there's so many women in that, that same situation. And they don't. They don't no. think that what it is mm-hmm. is abuse. And part of it is because of some of this really faulty, crazy teaching. Yes. But and it like is abuse. And like
1: Leslie will say, we don't have that problem here. She'll ask to talk in churches. Oh, we don't have that problem here. That's what they think.
0: Churches. Wow. One in four Christian women
1: are victims
0: of abuse. So I
1: quote that a lot to people and I'm a, I'm an advocate. So if your congregation
0: is over four, you've got that problem. (laughs) Exactly. So tell me what were in this journey. And I know you've been in conquer for a long time, but what were the big milestone revelations?
1: One of the things was huge. Is that I am a person to love, not an object to use like a cell phone. And Leslie uses that a lot, that example. And I was an object. If I didn't do what he wanted me to do, I was in trouble. Um, That was one. The two kinds of divorce and the verses with those about the certificate of of divorce Mm -hmm. and how women weren't protected. And I can't go into it all now. But that was huge. And I almost didn't believe it in a way because I just didn't think I had an out. (laughs) I really didn't. God cares more about the safety and the sanity of the individuals in the marriage than about the institution of marriage. And that's where Christians are. They think that institution has to be protected at all costs. Instead of the people being
0: protected. And you know what? Right? I'm sorry, but if that's true, what kind of a God do we serve?
1: God help us. If that's true. help who he is. us. Exactly. If He
0: really wants yes. you to stay married and abused.
1: Yes. This is. But nobody crazy. acknowledges emotional abuse. And that was my other big aha moment. She talked about all the verses about emotional abuse in the Bible, especially Psalm 55 where David says, if it was an enemy that taunted me, I could handle it. But it's you, my trusted friend, my confidant. We shared, I think it says we shared the same bed together or something. I, that was uh, very eye-opening. This is my own, like, uh, we're one in yeah. the spirit. And this is the one that's taunting me. So that was big. And then the three key ingredients for a healthy relationship, reciprocity, which never, it was never reciprocal trust. I didn't trust them and safety. I wasn't safe. You
0: were not safe.
1: So all those were huge. Being open to the Holy spirit and wise others, that woman that prayed with me for, Mm -hmm. I mean, we prayed 10 years before I left on the phone every day, almost every day. Without her, I couldn't, I wouldn't have had the strength because she was saying, You got to go. I changed my mind about the apartment three times. I was so scared to do it. So people can see what you can't, other Christians especially, committed to the truth. And this is where I'm at today. If I say God's my provider, God's my provider, period. I have to live that way. And the way I'm walking right now, it's really a miracle story. So that, that'll be coming later. But those are all the huge things that Leslie taught me. It, it's been life changing.
0: How are you different today, your life? Oh, my goodness.
1: Okay. So I'm doing what I was created to do. <laughs> this I'm is such artist. a cool story. Yeah. And I was never allowed to do art. Not allowed, but like it, it was always about him. So I'm a Christian and I'm an artist, right? So I had to say yes to God. You're my provider. Somebody had been asking me to teach art in an impoverished neighbor, not an impoverished, but a low income area for years. And I didn't want to do it because it was too far. And I'm not a real teacher. And I I have to work and they're not going to like me. All these ridiculous excuses. And I finally said, I have to say yes to this. If God's my provider, I'm going to trust him. So I did it, fell in love with these kids. And then I saw a rusty fence out front. And it was 25 minutes from my neighborhood. So I'm not familiar with the neighborhood. And you, they need a sign. And I'm a sign painter. I've painted signs for years. So I we painted this big sign with the kids. And then I saw a Pinterest artist do yarn on a fence. And it's drop-dead gorgeous. I love yarn? it but I never did it before. So I'm like, I'm doing the fence. So did I asked you say, her, did
0: you say yarn? on Yarn,
1: okay. yarn, knitting yarn. Right. So I asked the director, he said, we're getting a new fence. We're getting a big um, grant for $2 million. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to get forgiveness instead of permission. So I started <laughs> fence. and I'm telling you, everybody loves it. Everybody stops. People beep. They wave. They drop me a tarp to, to shield me from the sun.
0: Really? They,
1: they help me pull weeds down. I asked a lady about her story, and I cried my eyes out. She was in a wheelchair. Her boyfriend strangled her so many times. She wound up with an abscess in oh her neck, goodness. a pin from the top of her neck down. She's in a wheelchair, incontinent, MS. And I asked her if she could crochet. She said, my hands don't work. And I start crying my eyes out. And I prayed with her on the side of the road. And I'm crying. And I said, we're going to ask God to help you forgive the man. And she said, okay. So then I said, and we're going to ask God to save him. Because his knee will bow. Whether he surrenders mm-hmm. or God makes him. So I'm kneeling on the side of the road praying with this woman. I can't get her out of my head. I go to sleep. God woke me up in the middle of the night and said, I want you to do broken hearts on that fence and sew them with gold. So I did these big hearts in yarn, red, beautiful hearts with gold thread. And the third heart, I did three of them. There, there was weeds going through it and I made it dark, darker. And I thought that's a picture of unforgiveness. I'm leaving it without the gold. Every person I tell that story to cries and tells me their story and I pray with them. I have become a street artist evangelist in, on the side of the road and I just keep adding to the fence. It's gorgeous. It's like probably 130 feet already done with wow. flowers. And a young artist started putting the yarn on the fence and I'm like, what's she doing? There's a little boy with her and I said, what, can I please stand here so the kid doesn't go out to the street? She said, yeah, she's an artist. She left the boyfriend, that's the father of the child, because he was abusive. She only lived there for a week. She stayed all summer long and did flowers along the whole fence. Yarn flowers. All summer long, she said it was part of her healing. Mm. Story after story after story of people I meet and I pray with. It's amazing.
0: What would you say to listeners who are hearing your story and are in a destructive marriage or think they're in a destructive marriage. If you could talk directly to them, what would you say?
1: Okay. God is for you, not against you. You are a precious daughter of the King of the universe who had his only son bludgeoned beyond human recognition for you. That's what you are worth. Don't let any man tell you or treat you any different. You deserve to be loved and cherished. It was for freedom that Christ set you free. Do not allow yourself to be imprisoned by anyone or anything, especially in a marriage where your husband is commanded to love you as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Who wouldn't joyfully submit to that? But that's not where we are, most of us. Also, don't wait till your children are out of school or a certain age. If God is giving you the freedom to go, it will be more damaging for them to stay in a toxic environment than to leave and have one healthy, safe parent. My daughter who was in high school, had extreme anxiety, and I couldn't even see her. I was so wrapped up in keeping my husband happy, which was impossible. When we finally left, she was 17 years old, and she said, I felt like I got my mom back. Wow. And it made me cry because she said she felt invisible. So God is who he says he is. He's your provider. He's your lover. He's your husband. He's your friend.
0: Amen. Going back to your son's story really quick. How is he doing today?
1: He's really doing well. The first five years were really tough. He's been in there eight years. The first four years, I would say.
0: And what is his sentence?
1: It's 18 to 36 years.
0: My goodness.
1: But I told him, God has a kingdom purpose for why you're in there. There are people in there that need to know him. So if you keep your eyes on Jesus and the reason you're there and the people that you're there for and not the calendar, if you start thinking, when am I getting where you're not living for today. And I finally I've never had his ear because he was always rebellious as a teenager and up until adulthood. He calls me for counseling. He calls me to pray for him. He doesn't call his father. He calls me because he knows he's going to get God, and he knows he's going to get truth and and encouragement. So I've never had a relationship like this with him. He's done every program he could possibly get his hands on. He's doing really well, and he's owning what he did. He's not blaming anyone. He's owning every decision that he made. He says, it's because I only thought of myself. So He's really doing well.
0: I'm so, so grateful for that because when you look at what you've come out of, people don't look at that mess and think, oh, there's a happy ending.
1: Oh, there always is with God. There always is with God. He gives us beauty for ashes. He saves the best wine for last. Another thing I would say to the women, your life is not over. I'm not a spring chicken. But man, there's life after after getting out of that dark cloud. And I'm living my best life.
0: Would you pray quickly for the women who are listening? I would love that. Thank you.
1: Lord Jesus, I thank you for your cherished daughters. I pray that you would infuse them with hope, with strength, with the knowledge of you I thank you that you are a relationship and not a religion. And I pray that they would hear your still small voice louder than any other voice, especially their husbands, especially church people that don't know what their life is like. And the enemy and the world, I pray that they get their faces out of social media and into Mm -hmm. the word of God and that your opinion will be the only one that matters. You love them. I pray that they would know deeply your love, your care. Uh, Jesus knows what it is to be abandoned. His father turned mm-hmm. his face away, and he did it for you. So I pray that that truth would infuse my sisters with strength, vision for the future, and just hope that is overflowing because God is for them, not against them. And I pray a blessing in the mighty name of Jesus. And I can't wait to hear the testimonies. Amen.
0: Amen. Katerina, thank you so, so much for being a guest and sharing your story. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Relationship Truth Unfiltered. If you need clarity on whether your marriage is difficult, disappointing, or destructive, go to leslievernick.com forward slash start for Leslie's free quick start guide. It's totally private and will help you get clear on your next step. Again, that's leslievernick.com forward slash start. Until next time, may God bless your relationships with him, with yourself and with others.